several years ago, we were in Vegas. Vegas, baby. Vegas, baby. And we were at uh, a douchey club. Douchey, baby. This club that kept playing that song, sh- uh, Shot. What, how does it go? Shots. Shot, 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 shot. shot. And how then, does and then, shots go? And then it cuts <laughs> off and, and then they say, it's Patron time. Uh, oh, yeah. So every time they would play that, the proprietors of this establishment would come over with uh, shots for us. Like tequila. Huge shots. We were there with our friend Kier. They kept handing it out. And we were like, oh, no, no, thank you. No, we're fine. It's like every 15 minutes they brought over shots. Shot, and shots. at a certain point, we'd cheers and then we would dump them out. It was a quick move. It was like a sleight of hand where you go, oh, because they all wanted to drink with us. And cheers, cheers. So cut to an hour and a half, two hours later, we're walking out of said club and our friend Kier barely walking. And he said, I can't believe we just did that. That was you know something to that effect. And Justin said, I know, thank God we were dumping those out. Can you imagine if we hadn't, we would be like in a hospital right now. If we had right done now. the trick? And he goes, yeah. what? he's like, what trick? And he was like, what do you mean? <laughs> Yeah, and we're like the shots. We were dumping oh. them out. You weren't dumping them out. <laughs> there were, like, and he's like, I didn't know you were dumping them out. <laughs> there were like eleven or twelve rounds of them, at least. At least. Then I got re- immediately impressed because Kier was like, he wasn't like sloppy or anything. That's the, like, that's that's the happy ending. Kier survived. <laughs> hey. Life could be a dream. Life could be a dream. You're listening to Life Is Short. I'm your host, Justin Long. Life could be a dream, sweetheart. And with me, as always, is my uh, tequila. Uh, I was gonna say tequila hating, but you don't hate tequila. No, I'm okay with tequila. Yeah, I know people. Some people have really bad experiences with tequila. Tequila is one of those things where if you have tequila too much one night, then the rest of your life you you know have a problem with it. I, I've never had one of those nights. It happened to me recently where I just had too much. But who cares? I got hungover. But uh, our friend here was – he's also very stocky. He's uh, sturdy. He's stocky. No, no. He's, I, I didn't mean stocky. I meant for, he's from a sturdy stock. That's he's what I meant sturdy. to say. He's sturdy. He's yes. sturdy. A sturdy stock. He's not yeah, stocky. Not stocky. He's sturdy. <laughs> anyway, so Kier, our friend – who uh, we're hoping isn't offended that we shared the story. <laughs> he's the best here. Um, you know he's the best. And... So he was in a little movie called Wedding Crashers. He played Todd in Wedding Crashers. Mm-hmm. And our guest today was also in Wedding Crashers. Yes. Our guest today is, well, I say it all the time. It's not going to stop. Uh, he's my favorite. Another star of that movie. Our guest today is Vince Vaughn. We landed a whale. We sure did. This little fisherman finally put out some chum that was able to, you know, attract the, the big one. Um, yeah, we got Vince to do. It. Vince had been talking about. We'd been talking about doing it for a while, and uh, I had always assumed that somebody I knew that well, we were just going to do it in person. Mm-hmm. You know, um, but obviously not able to do that now. Um, he is, I, I think, the best talker I know, the best talker I've ever met. Wow. So that's why this was. We were so excited. I was so excited to do this. Uh, and just to catch up with a friend. Um, but knowing that he is a friend who is beyond gifted at telling stories and uh, spinning a yarn. Very important person in your life. Yeah. And um, I think he's a pretty important person in a lot of people's lives because he's brought so much joy to uh, the world. Talking to him, like, all these nights started flooding back Um that I feel so grateful to have had, just the laughter, and my face would hurt. You know, like, we'd hang out till whatever hour in the morning, and my, your, your face would hurt the next day from laughing. Like, those face, those muscles that you're not that used to 
using as much as you do, just smiling so much. Um, and everyone knows him. You've seen his movies. Uh, he is in person just the, the quickest. His mind is just so sharp. He's one of the most fascinating people I know. Yeah. I think Wedding Crashers is the is the best comedy of the millennium so far. Is that uh, I know I, that's a big statement. I, I think so too. I <clears throat> it's it's definitely of the that first decade. I think it was the best, the best studio movie, studio comedy. And I remember one night being at uh, forgive me, this is name drop you, I know, but uh, Sean Penn had kind of cornered Vince, not in a threatening way, but was. Uh, was talking to him for a while, and I, I afterwards, and and it looked like they were being very serious. You know, they were in a in locked in this serious talk. And uh, afterwards, Vince just basically said he was uh, talking all about Wedding Crashers. He was going on about how what a brilliant movie he thought it was, how he thought Vince should be nominated and stuff. And I remember at the time thinking like nominated for a but the more i watch that movie um the more i agree with sean penn i think that those performances vince's in particular is um really special it's it's what he's doing in that movie is uh unlike anything else and go watch his movie freaky freaky one two three Freaky. freaky it looks great and he looks really funny in it he's playing um it's a body swap movie so he's there's a like a college age girl in his body, like a, a teenage girl who is in his body. Also, personal to us, we Justin and I, with our friend Kier, um, a few years back, wrote a movie called A Case of You. And mm-hmm. in order to get it made, in order to finish getting financing, Vince came on to do a day on it and uh, allowed us to make the movie. And yeah. obviously, he didn't have to do it. I think we're both appreciative of it him was, for that. It was just it was a really huge. kind, completely unnecessary yeah. thing for him to do. But and it was um, like ten pages of dialogue. Remember that? Yeah, it was a lot. He did so much in one. It was. Day. It was like it a was big part. Overwritten. Yes. It didn't yes. have to be ten pages. No, and he's so smart and good with. He's such a good writer. He's so quick on his feet that he also took the time the night before to go through and kind of pare it down so it would be um, just better. And the best lines that he has in the movie are his. Like he came up with. I, one that I still remember is um, that's what he does. His mind is so unique and sharp that he comes up with lines that end up being like iconic. You know, but he has uh, he says something in there where, when he says goodbye to me. He plays my agent who's like overly uh, effusive and stuff. And he says, um, OK, bye bye. Instead of saying I love you, he says X's and O's. <laughs> no, 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 he, goes, he goes triple X's, triple O's. Oh, that's right. That's right. I can't even get his line. Right. Yeah, triple he, X's, triple O's. A lot of that stuff he comes up with. The wedding crashers, he came yeah. up with motorboating, right? The, he, yeah. Motorbo- a lot of that is just from his brain. And a lot of his thrown away lines, a lot of his asides, they're simple. They're like, uh, I, I think about when he says to the the, the waiters um, at the parties at the weddings, uh, okay, are you going to circle back around? Are you About the finger mm-hmm. foods. You got some nice finger foods you get in your hands. It's on phenomenal finger foods. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's all him. Like, get your hands on this. You got to get your hands on something. Uh, go, go grab that net and catch yourself a nice baby. You so know, let's the, hear the real thing. I know. Okay, the real. Oh, hey, come in for the real thing. That's yeah. him. Come on in for the real thing. I hope you're all sitting down. You're ready for my catch-up with my, my dear friend um, and one of my favorite actors, Vince Vaughn. Life could be a dream, sweetheart. Dell TechFest starts now. To thank you for 40 unforgettable years, Dell Technology is celebrating with anniversary savings on their most popular tech. For a limited time only, save on select next-gen PCs like the XPS 13 Plus, where you can make the everyday easier with Windows 11. 
Plus, curate your dream setup with great deals on select monitors, mice, and more must-have electronics and accessories. When you shop online at dell.com deals, you'll have access to leading-edge technology and free shipping on everything. Again, that's dell.com deals. If you're a fan of breathtaking, shocking, and sometimes sinister tales, then check out Audible's new collection of exclusive thrillers. It features captivating sound design, eerie soundscapes, and dynamic performances. So you feel like you're in the story. One title that's next on my list is called Trapdoor by J.P. Pomer. Uh, it's about five strangers. You know I love stories about strangers who get held hostage in a cellar that's filling with water. water. And the whole thing's being live streamed by a camera high above reach. Shorties, listen along with me. As an Audible member, you can get one title a month to keep from their entire catalog. New members can try Audible free for 30 days. Visit audible.com slash long or text long to 500-500. That's audible.com slash long or text long to 500-500. Hello, hello again. Shaboom and up we'll meet again. Hey, buddy. Oh, man. Thanks for doing this. So glad to be sitting with you, dude. Good to see you. What uh, are you? Have you been doing a lot of press? I have been, but not a lot like this. I've been doing um, kind of the Zoom uh, press junket, both domestic and international. And, you know, you feel you feel so dishonest because <laughs> they ask you the same questions and then you have to make it as if like you're giving that answer. You, you know that feeling, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. And, and do you ever play the game? You, I mean, you may have taught me this game where you, where you have to come up with a word or a phrase. <laughs> yeah. I, a phrase that's so odd that you have yeah. to fit in. Yes. You know where we started that even prior to the Like judges? I love cinnamon. I don't know about you, but I love cinnamon. <laughs> You know where we started that was even prior to the junkets was um, when I was with Peter Billingsley out in public. Uh At first, he was not always, you know, to go up to someone you don't know is always an uncomfortable proposition. Uh So I would say (laughs) I would give him something that was so crazy and non sequitur that you'd have to fit in. And then Uh then it became kind of like, you know, going up and saying hi was not complicated. But but having to fit in the thing, and they would be stuff like, right. "I'm sorry if I I'm sorry if I'm I'm squinting a lot. It's just that I was up really late last night painting miniature elves." That's right. Right. Or, I remember that. One. Or it'd be something like, you know, I get uncomfortable around people or new surroundings, but when I do, I just picture myself and everyone else swimming naked with dolphins, and I can take a I can take that deep breath that I need. You so so Peter or somebody else would have to go up and and work that into the conversation into it, a conversation it, and yeah. not ever back off of it or apologize for it right Just like and you'd be surprised how people are usually fairly accommodating to be like oh well that's great you have a hobby you know what I mean like yeah yeah do do you ever remember it backfiring and people being like that's a weird thing to say because I remember. I if you I remember you do uh, like doing that with somebody and if as long as you said it in like a an affable friendly way people will kind of accept most things. I had a friend when I was younger that was in his 80s that was an ex comedy writer. He used to write stand up for like Phyllis Diller and stuff. Right? Oh he was God. like a joke man that was always uh-huh. coming up with one liners. 
<laughs> and he was old enough that he was tired. He only liked to talk about what he liked to talk about. Uh -huh. And he was kind of cranky and he enjoyed being a contrarian. And yeah. I remember sitting with him at restaurants and he would say, like, we would go to Jerry's Deli in the Valley. Uh -huh. This is back like in late 80s, early 90s. And he would say, you know, you can say things publicly really loudly and people, and there's so much noise going on in a restaurant, they won't even be able to recognize what you're saying. <laughs> and then he would like scream out like a swear word, like uh -huh. loud, but then just keep talking and selling me on the idea that nobody could really track what he was saying. Uh, did, did you notice that people didn't really care? It was odd. He would he would say it really loud, but then yeah. he would get a lovely, like delicious smile on his face, like he took a cookie he shouldn't have. Uh. But just keep explaining <laughs> his theory. And it was odd because I think there's so much going on and people wouldn't expect it. Uh -huh. But then if someone did hear it, like, would you just think that he had a condition a or was he mad at, yeah. at who he was sitting with and then they yeah. didn't want to get involved in a domestic dispute? I don't know, Justin. It's unclear. How do you meet a guy like that? How do you get to know? How do, I just love that you're friends with that guy. You were young then. You were like a 20-year-old. Yeah, you know, I was, my grandmother was raised in the house with me. Um, and she had gotten bad arthritis, so she was raised with me. And I used to joke with her like crazy. We had so much fun. And uh -huh. she was part of a senior citizen group. Uh -huh. so even when I was younger, like junior high and high school, I would go with her and hang with the seniors. Oh, and they would go to like an event at like a baseball game. It would be all of us on a bus. And I always found the seniors to be great. They were so smart and really warm. And uh -huh. I just comfortable with all ages. So when I, met, when I met Phil, he was a guy who showed up by himself and we were all joking and we would just include him. And it was a weird deal. I remember there was some odd, he was, he was great. We, we ended up going over and hanging out at his apartment sometimes. But at first, he was real reluctant to make a friendship. And then he was like the warm, softy. <laughs> well, he must have loved you. I mean, you're also like so good with... It's well, an I love him. He was so good. funny. Yeah. He was yeah. hilarious. You're like that, too. You've always had friends of different ages. I love... I'm very close with my grandmother, who's sassy, and she's got a, an edge. She's 103. Vince, that reminds me of... How old is of, she? She's 103. That's why you look... That's why you still look like a 19-year-old. You're absolutely gorgeous. <laughs> I wish this was live streaming and people could see this porcelain face you possess. It's unbelievable. I mean, you, you, you've always been that way and sneaky. Justin's always been like the funniest, the most considerate, always right. include, oh, so aware and include people. And then he takes off his shirt and it's like, hello. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to have to cut that out. Uh, look at it. By the way, I wore this shirt for you. I wore a Chicago... Uh, I've had this since fifth grade. Is that a That's Spike Lee, Michael Jordan growing. shirt? Yeah, it's Michael right. Jordan and Spike Lee. Got to be uh, the the um the that scene that you're describing in a restaurant with with Phil. Uh, and now I'm thinking about Swingers, the scene in Swingers. That you don't seem like somebody who would. You strike me as somebody who wouldn't get embarrassed by stuff like that. Did, or, or would you ever? You, I think me and you are similar. Where I I like human nature. I like to have fun. And sometimes socially, it's just interesting to play around with dynamics. Oh, play. yeah. But, you know, like I think we're similar in that when you when you become funny or you have a sense of humor, and part of that is, you know, not being great at all things. So a sense of humor uh -huh. serves you well, you know. Yeah. I think you learn at a young age, like if you hurt someone's feelings or make someone sad, that feels terrible. 
Mm. So you learn how to not do that. Mm -hmm. And then it sort of becomes more about like creating a fun experience for everyone. Like me, you and Rockwell, we used to go to the Chateau with Peter. And I mean, there was never more fun than we would just write skits and do charades. Oh, man. I remember roping Mike Myers. Mike Myers was sitting by, do you remember this? He was sitting by himself at the Chateau. And Sam was like, that's Mike Myers. You know, we should... We should talk to him. We should tell him. And so we did. Sam and I went up and we were like, we're big fans. And, and you know, he's very Canadian and, and mild-mannered. And he was like, oh, thanks. And he, I, we invited him to hang out. You were doing Elvis bits. Mike came over and he started, we roped him into some of the shtick we were doing. And he he tapped out after like an hour. He was like, this is too much. For, <laughs> I, I can't keep up with this shit. We had a full appetite for for We did. <laughs> We, we were fascinated, though, because Elvis was so handsome and had the voice of an opera singer. Yeah. And he was so popular that when he started to introduce taekwondo or karate into both his live stage act and his movies, no one was able to say to him, like, this is weird. Like, yeah. Like, why are you throwing roundhouse kicks and stuff in the middle of a song? But then the oddity that fascinated us was he was also so fucking cool. Yeah. And it kind of was cool. It, yeah, you don't, it's not weird. He's too cool. He, on, on, if anyone else were to do that, it'd be like noticeably weird. Weird. But, we were but his scenes where someone was a townie, someone was Elvis. <laughs> the townie would be disrespectful to a lady. Elvis would go out of his way to be cordial. And well, I, you, you, and do you remember the line? I'm, I tried to remember it because I knew we were talking. It was something like, you put this jackrabbit in a corner, he's going to... Find his way out. Is that what it was? Yeah, I think so. That's Sam's favorite line. You, you put, put this jackrabbit in a corner, man, he, he's going to find his way out. Let's dance. And then you'd start throwing... And then the town yeah, he would go last chance. Shit, real shitty and then, get, and then get beaten up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I usually ha- had to end up being the lady. I was cast as the lady quite often. <laughs> True, you were Elvis Bunny, weren't you? So you'd hand out roles. It was so Shakespearean. It was was an homage to to theater of old, Justin. We we were ahead of our time. We were woke back before people were awakening. I just don't think any girls wanted to do improv. Oh, no. (laughs) No. That's when you'd lose them. When you did the same Elvis bit the 40th time in in a row, there was just no... No participating actresses. Well, it would be, for, I, I remember there was maybe, if there was any interest, even if it was like mild interest from someone, from a, a lady, it, it would, yeah, it would soon dissipate. It'd be like, oh, these guys are just <laughs> doing this bit all night. Okay, I'm going to go have fun with my They're friends. They're not doing then. this bit to get to know us. They're doing this bit no matter who's around. <laughs> <laughs> this is for an audience of zero. Of three, of us, three. <laughs> yeah, yeah, four. yeah. <laughs> But but people think I mean people also uh, but you did have I remember you also would have really close girlfriends like lady like friends who were girls like you you hung out a lot with God I used to love watching you and Janine Garofalo go at it like um, I love Garofalo I, she's so funny and sweet uh, you guys were both so smart and funny and you would you know whether it was politics or whatever it was it was just so entertaining to watch you go and, the she, and also you were always lovely to talk about stuff with because you have you know strong conventions and you've thought about stuff but but i think all of us could hear other ideas and make light of it which was fun yeah, but it was nice like those coffee shop conversations you could talk about a movie or anything in different yeah. points of view and that was so much of the fun of it i think is having yeah. engaged people to talk about stuff with and everyone care about it 
Yeah. Well, well, I, I, not, where you could still laugh at yourselves. Yeah, it would never get it would never get negative. It would never get uh and if it did, I remember at what I remember once it did start getting a little heated between you and Janine and you put the lid on. I mean, you you had a way of just kind of like easing people when 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 you sensed it going there. It's interesting that you say you don't like to make people hurt people, you know, you learn at an early age, you don't want to hurt it. You learn that, you know, it's funny, ha, huh? and then you look over and the one guy's not laughing and it feels terrible. Right. And I have a lot of friends who are in the comedy and improv and would really be hard on themselves if yeah. they felt that they did it at the expense of somebody. Uh, right? huh. Because yeah, you learn I, I, that it's like you could, I don't know what it is, maybe because we were so kind of insecure in some ways younger yeah. that you were just so heightened at recognizing like a Terminator, what is the thing that they think no one's noticing oh, that can crippled them? Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. And you could do it in a way where everyone's having fun and they're not. And then you learn like, oh, I, they're not prepared for that. I don't have to go that far. Exactly. Yeah. I, I can e e take my foot off the gas a little bit and still have the same comedic effect. Like, I, it's interesting you say Terminator because that's how you always struck me when you would not in a I'm going to get you way, but in a... Um, in a comedic, I'm going to get you way. I'm, I'm going to kind of like flip the script on you. And you started doing it in movies. You started using the lines that you would use when we were hanging out. And I have such nerdy questions about where specifically some of these lines came from. Sure. <laughs> like um, like stuff in Wedding Crashers. A lot of that was improvised, right? Like the, uh, the, well, the motorboats. Because I've done it with you so many times. But, you know, you, you have something on paper. And a lot of times you'll go through the scene and we'll just rewrite it. Yeah. You know, if you have a confident director who allows, you know, who's who's into this, we're collaborating. We did that with the breakup, I remember, yeah, before breakup, we started you shooting. You had so many great ideas for that character and fun things to do. And then, and then, you know, you'll do the lines, but sometimes we change the lines before we got there. And then if we had it in the can, we like right. playing around. Why not play around a little bit anyway? But yeah. you were always good and you're terrific at it, at, at advancing story. You know, keeping a mind on what needs to happen in the scene is important. I learned that from you. I mean, there was no one who taught me that lesson uh, better than you did. And, and I, I remember specifically a scene in Dodgeball when in the story it was after we'd lost the game and it looked like things were falling apart. And we were shooting a scene where we were all kind of grab-assing and like doing bits in between takes. And I remember you just being really kind of like not participating in that, which was unusual. And I don't know, you were very focused. And you said to me... You made the point that this was a serious scene. I used to think of comedies as being like, well, this is all fun. I mean, it is fun, but like you, I, it was the first time I realized that you, you really had to commit to the story, no matter what the genre was. And, and you were doing that like better than anyone I'd ever seen. Do you remember this? It was. Yeah, you know, I think what it was is I had done some improv younger on stage with the Improv Olympic, not for long, but I was fortunate that they put me up and performing very quickly. And that experience of doing it live is invaluable because you start to learn like if it's not on story, like if it's a Herald, which is something where they, they give you a subject and you start creating scenes with your partners and storylines. Mm -hmm. If it's something that veers off of the theme, even if it's funny, it doesn't have traction. Right. And if you don't take, and sometimes comedy is an overcommitment to the absurd, you know, like not this you, movie. even Dodgeball and how funny you are, but also so warm and lovable because what you care about are innocent things and you're so invested, but it's funny, but it's also kind of heartwarming, you know? Yeah, yeah. So I think I think sometimes on set, it's a, it's a balance and everyone has to find their way. It's good to joke and keep it light 
but there's also times I think to stay in it. Yeah. Honor the process and, and just stay in it. And it just depends on the scene and on your confidence level, I guess. Yeah. You, you had also said something like um, at the time, something else that was invaluable, which is to not go looking for the jokes, you know, to not go, to not veer too far off course uh, in an attempt to do make a funny, to have a funny line, to kind of stay true to the intention of the scene. That was well, something else. It's the did. same as method acting or any acting that it's, it's the lines are yes, but, but the intentions or the life behind it is actually the most valuable. Mm -hmm. And that comes from listening and reacting or being available to react honestly to something that someone says, not having a planned thing. Uh -huh. So I think that to some degree, if I'm just thinking of what's the craziest thing I can say, right. it may yeah. not be authentic based off of what the person said prior to. So sometimes in improv, my favorite stuff is like when people don't say anything. You're a great setup guy too. People might not think of you that way. And uh, Jake Johnson reminds me a lot of that. When I was working with Jake Johnson, he has this thing where he can, he's just a great listener and he loves setting people up. And it's, and oftentimes it might, his favorite improvs like yours are very simple thing you know it's it's i'm sorry what did you say or uh i'm thinking about the stuff in made where you're making favreau laugh i mean it's those those outtakes which i love watching where he can't get through a take uh and the stuff that you're doing is is all on story it's all story stuff um that's why he's like mean, it's just brilliant stuff what do you think I, uh, it's fun? sometimes it's fun to see someone's point of view on something that's surprising. right isn't that what it is to some right. degree that someone can have that much conviction in a way that's yes. that's not that's a little less yes. normal. Yeah. But believable. Yeah. It's a weird yeah. thing to keep it within that drawn thing. On uh, speaking of dodgeball, I remember and I've told this before that I can't Rawson was I think he was a division three quarterback and yes. they would have it not a starter, although that was not as known, but anyway, uh -huh. <laughs> he was really big on trying to really whip the ball and throw the ball, you know, and it's a film, but this was- so Rawson's the director. Rawson is so um, fun and got a great energy and so terrific uh -huh. to be year round and makes it like uh -huh. a game and fun, but he had like kind of a jock energy where it was like really about going for it. So I yes. came in one day, they had a speedball machine that they were putting dodgeballs in that would be like a fast pitch machine. Uh -huh. And I came in there to take one. This thing was turned up so fucking high. And I remember what? it hitting me and being like, in this old show pony, meaning myself, having having jumped some gates before, said, oh, this is never going to, like, no one's going to know whether this thing's going 87 miles an hour or 60. Uh -huh. like, what is, what would be the purpose of this thing being cranked up that high? So it hit me and I took like, you know, like the like the senior actor on the set point of view. And I was like, this is dangerous. Nobody should be in front of this machine. I said, this is crazy. The fact that like I would come in and, the, and everyone would assume this was okay. Uh -huh. What I didn't realize was that the fabulous Jay Long had already taken about 80 balls to the face at the highest fucking speed. You were out there just getting bloodied and butchered in the face for the funny. <laughs> Well, because, well, it's uh, it illustrates how um, e eager I was. Some may say desperate. Um, I say committed. I say committed. I say committed. <laughs> no, I don't. It, of, it took the wind out of my Norma Ramo. <laughs> <laughs>
My Norma Ray moment. I don't think they let me drive home that day. They they were concerned about me driving that day. I was driving myself to that on that job, and um, and they said, "Hey, Justin, somebody had moved my car." You know, transpo guy. And when they gave me my keys back, before they gave them back, they said there was a producer. I forget. I think it was Rhodes. And he said, "Hey, um, are you okay to drive?" My response was like just a half second behind. You know, I was like, "What do you mean?" <laughs> and that was before people were really aware of concussions. Yes, yeah, I was a trailblazer. <laughs> you were a trailblazer, dude. That job was the best. I, um, it was so fun being around you. But, but before we had done that job, we, like you said, we were hanging out, and um, I remember just the laughs that we would have. And and I, I remember during that time, this is like the early two thousands. I had a theory that you were doing so many serious jobs at the time. Do you remember you were doing like, I think you just come back from like domestic disturbance, maybe you, that you just want you had all this funny in you. And it wasn't coming out. It wasn't. It didn't have a place to go. And then you started doing comedies again, uh, old school and stuff. And and you were now you now had a place for it. Uh, what do you think of my theory? It's funny is I think for all of us as actors, I had done swingers in that in May, but I was doing more. You know, still I was more drawn to character stuff and independent yeah. stuff, and I was doing stuff that was you know clay pigeons, clay pigeons, yeah. comedy in it, or Return to Paradise, and really fun movies that I was proud of, but. It, it was interesting. The, the studios did not think of me as a as a mainstream comedy actor because I had never done those. I mean, Swingers was well liked by the people in the industry, but it, but you know, meaning the, the other actors and stuff as as comedic with you know with the drama kind of I guess not yeah. broad comedy anyway. Um, and it was really Todd Phillips who had to push for me to be an old school. But interesting enough, on Dodgeball, I remember a lot, everyone was playing that movie so broad in a great way. <clears throat> and I remember I was getting a lot of pressure from some of the some of the brass, like Vince yeah. is not Vince is not like yucking it up and going broad. And I remember I had a conversation with you, and my theory was kind of an old one, which was if I'm the lead and I'm the narrator, the, the guy that you're seeing the movie through, mm -hmm. if the world around me is broad, I have to be someone that holds the emotion together in so much as that you know how to take these other characters. I have to stay grounded, meaning the sane man in the insane world. Whereas if right. you're going to be the crazy character, the world around you traditionally needs to be more normal. Right. If everyone, if everyone is is crazy, then what's your way in? You need Dorothy, is my point, to walk through Oz. Because if a tin man goes through Oz, you have no bearings. I really felt very confident in kind of playing that character with a point of view and having a, a style and, a, and an authenticness that would help carry the movie. And as it bore out, thankfully, it sort of held together and worked. Well, you you ended up being right about it, but where did that come? Like, how did you know to do that? Like, I know to do that now. I learned that lesson from you, from people like you. I remember Sam pointing that out. He said, that's what Bill Murray does, um, <clears throat> movies like Meatballs and stuff. He And you allowed Stiller. I mean, Stiller is f phenomenal in that movie. So funny in that, as he is in but, most things. But like you said, bra. I mean, that character is ridiculous. I remember even like they wanted you to like do stuff from Swinger, you know, wink more and be more jokey kind of stuff more. Uh, how did you know to fight that? How, how did you know? I think anytime you've, you've gone and investigated stuff in comedy in particular, it's just in, in any sort of movie, it's sort of an old adage that if the world is so bizarre, you need Alice to yeah. go in Alice in Wonderland, you know? So yeah. 
I knew it was being funny and having a fun point of view and, and a guy that was likable, but, you know, flawed. Like we've seen that type of archetype before. And thankfully, mm -hmm. everyone around was so funny. It all really worked. But I remember, like, sometimes when you get people with comedy, as you know, they think a banana peel is funny, potentially, or just, it's got, like, you know, you see this with posters a lot. They try uh -huh. so hard to convey yes. it to comedy. Right. Yeah, right. I'm doing the like crossed hands. Yeah, like right. back they, to back. They try so this hard guy. to portray it's a comedy that what they're actually saying is this is just really broad, you know, versus other posters that, that aren't trying to convey everything visually. But before we get off of Dodgeball, we have to share a little bit how me and you stayed at RAP <laughs> for an extra two days. The lost weekend in Vegas of, of V Vaughn and Jay yeah. Long. Oh, we had fun in Vegas. But we had fun in like... Me and you decided to stay, and it was so fun. And by the well, way, we, we were doing like... There was a lot of social experience. We got so far in our own little bits and games that yes. it became so crazy. Right? Well, we started doing a thing uh, where, where as we would pass somebody, we would just say... Oh, well, no, it started with each other. Oh, right. Before we got our confidence <laughs> to include strangers, it started with each other. It was so cool. Yeah, yeah. We would just start saying, oh. I, we were playing blackjack and stuff, and we would say, oh. And then kind of. Right. The response was as if you were surprised. And, <laughs> yeah. And slightly turned on by what the other person was doing. So, even if, oh, <laughs> oh, was to suggest that it was surprising. You didn't see it coming. But also <laughs> that there was kind of an, you were sort of attracted to what the person did. Yeah. And then it evolved to one hand, one hand gently gliding uh -huh. down the other person's face, like you were stroking their face. <laughs> and it was all in response to something really mundane, like, should we maybe eat some dinner? Oh. oh. And oh, a face rub. And then and it was a also a way like if either of us were getting passionate about a, an idea, you would totally uh -huh. just take the legs out from underneath the other person by kind of like making it like, oh, you're just attractive and let me let me stroke your face. It was almost condescending. Yeah, it was a way to just stop them. To, <laughs> to but now we've been thought. up, we were not sleeping very much. And if you remember, no. this coincided with the rodeo, the national championship rodeo. Do you remember that? Yes, yes, yeah. And we so had we watched like, football. Oh, this is great. The rodeo's in town. So me and you were like the two <laughs> suburban kids on a flannel. And then, and then we would go to like, I don't even remember. We were going to events for the rodeo. Well, I remember we went to some bar somebody was because we were asking around hey where the rodeo's in town where, where where's the place to go and so somebody directed us to some some honky-tonk theme bar and and they got excited you were there and so they they, they were like they ushered us over to the you remember this the vip the area but there was thing, there was the craziest vip thing i've ever seen in my life now i as you know i'm a huge country western fan i love yes music. my grandfather was a had a, was a dairy farmer and a railroad worker, so I like I like that stuff. You introduced me to Dwight Yoakam and Buck Owens. I love you love, yeah. Mega talented and and a, and a friend. Yeah. But the VIP and this was interesting because go ahead describe what this was. So like we got to get you to the VIP area. We were like okay. It was kind of in the middle of the area, and it was it was elevated. I think just by one step. 
right? Maybe two, but it was elevated and um, there was a rope around it and maybe some hay scattered about to kind of affect a, a stable feel like a country. T- and, um, but we were, so we were the only ones in there. But there I was recall. no walls, Justin. It was almost yeah. like <laughs> a circular, what would be a horse, a place one would tie their horse in the old West. Yeah. So there was no walls not to see who's in the VIP. It was like, <laughs> What you would use a horse to in front of a saloon in a Western, although it was circular and surrounded by those troughs. So we were, and there was only like a stream, like a stream. That's right. Then we were now standing in the middle of the place. Fully on display. In front of us with nothing. It was like, it was like we couldn't have been like in a position to stick out even more. Yeah, exactly. So much fun. So much fun, but especially you, because as it is, I remember walking through the casino floors with you. And I remember you saying like, before we went there, you know, because we had gone out in LA and stuff and like, you'd get recognized because you were also very tall. You know, you, you people don't realize how tall you are. In Vegas, it's even on top of that. There was so much like swingers love. There was so much like, oh my, people would lose their minds when they saw you because you were kind of like part of the Vegas experience <laughs> for them. You know, so, where, but you where were, was that? We went out, we went, then we went out at night somewhere. Wasn't there a nighttime concert we went to? Yeah, it was, uh, I think, no longer a, um, a country Western theme. It became a kind of a hip hop, it, it was a combination of lots of things. Yeah. But anyway, I, after being up all night, the last night, and then having to go catch our plane, we had gotten to a point when we were having conversations <laughs> where we would pass people we didn't know and we would say the O line and we would stroke them. <laughs> so we were passing people as we were talking like, oh, this is interesting. I wonder how the scene will cut. What do you got going on? Yeah. Then we would just pass someone you know, a, Without- a couple, a couple of guys. They could be, they could be, they could be bikers. They could be stockbrokers. It could be whatever. And we would go, oh, as if we were surprised to see them. And sometimes we would just like ear stroke next to them. But we, we, at first it was fun. It became such a habit. We wouldn't even look to see how they responded. We must have done it twenty times. I remember before yeah. we got on the plane, we went to a fast food restaurant to order something. Yeah. Can yeah, for breakfast. to do that to the <laughs> nice people who were taking our orders, people in line, and just, like, it was so strange. No one really responded. Yeah, I remember uh, get, ordering, like, a breakfast sandwich, and, uh, oh, we, and they'd say, well, would you want any coffee with that? Oh. <laughs> and we would do it there. Like, they had said something suggestive. Yeah, we started doing it where it was just so odd. It was like you were surprised and you were you were you were receiving you were receiving a, a an advance from them. It's so crazy. And then we just flew on our plane. I think you sat a seat in front of me for some reason. Yeah. Home. <laughs> yeah. We had won a game too, didn't we? I think I, I think it was Oh like yeah, we about, won. Oh my gosh, you're right. We, we bet on and, and we bet on a game. We won, and I never, we never cashed in. And you go, we'll do it. You know, it's not a big deal. We'll do it next time. We won some and crazy thinking, parlay. It was like a three or four team parlay. It, it, yeah, it was, we were going to miss our a, flight, but that was such yeah. a fun way to finish that shoot. Was uh, to have that that weekend. We had so much. We went to like, oh yeah, I was gambling <laughs> at, at. I was gambling. I, I, you know, my dad was a big card player, so I always grew up gambling and that kind of stuff. And but I remember I knew how to you get poker and how to do stuff. So mm-hmm. we were gambling the right, the high enough amounts. So we would go to like the nicest restaurants 
Yeah. And order like everything. And we had so much fun, dude. You were such a blast. God, that was fun. That was so fucking fun. I, uh, do you go back to Vegas still? Do you ever go back? I go back sometimes. I go with my wife and, and that and or some friends and I'll go and just for a couple weekends to gamble. But this was this was a this was like the the end of a shoot. And yeah. just, it was such we were like it was like a vision quest we were on. <laughs> yes. Right? Yes. It was like a vision quest. It was like being Yeah, it was an odyssey. We talked about everything one could speak of in the world. Yeah. Hearing yeah. ideas, reflecting on the movie. <laughs> Yeah. Right. It was just yeah, a you're great right. way with someone who you love to finish this experience and kind of digest yeah. everything. Because as an actor, sometimes, especially early on, you're left alone to kind of think about how you feel. That's true. Life could be a dream, sweetheart. Do, 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 Hey everyone, I just wanted to pop in and uh, say hello from this beautiful resort right on the beach. <laughs> I'm actually here in the recording studio, Christian's it's Christian studio. Busted. I feel like I kind of am. I'm getting a little taste of the tropics because I've been enjoying Tropical Smoothie Cafe's new chia oatmeal pudding bowl. Ooh, what's that one like? Well, I love chia seeds. I know they're really good for digestion. I think there's protein in there. So I, I want to find ways to, to eat more of them. Um, and, but this one also combines coconut milk, which I love, nice, creamy, healthy without the, uh, the dairy, and steel-cut oats, which um, also healthy, topped with um, chobani. You get some more protein with a Greek yogurt, some fresh blueberries, sliced banana, granola, more chia seeds, and and honey. Ooh, so I, I a little try, bit of sweet. It's good. I, I'd like to try that one. I, I've had the acai bowl, which is very delicious. It's Ooh. it's acai base. I see. Um, fresh strawberries, blueberries, sliced banana, some coconut, granola, Ooh. chia seeds. So get on Tropic Time now as you savor a new Tropic Bowl from your local Tropical Smoothie Cafe. For all the shorties that want voluminous, fanned-out lashes, mm -hmm. this ad is for you. The new L'Oreal Paris Panorama Mascara creates corner-to-corner -corner panoramic lash volume. Their tapered brush catches every single lash, even those pesky corner lashes. You know who you are, corner lashes. With the Panorama Mascara, you'll easily achieve that effortless, false lashes look. It's one of Christian's favorite looks. Plus, it lasts up to 24 hours and is clump and flake resistant. And just when you thought it couldn't get better, it does. The Panorama Mascara is a lot more affordable than other luxe mascaras. And honestly, it probably does a better job. It's affordable, but it's deceptive because it comes in a premium gold luxe packaging. So if you want a mascara that can do it all, volumize, lengthen, and stay put all day, you can buy the Panorama Mascara on Amazon today. Hello, hello again. Shaboom and up we'll meet again. And then we had the experience with all of your other friends. Kira was involved on the Wild West Comedy Tour. That was that had a similar vibe, right, About in terms of like hanging out and, you know, sharing stories, laughing. I mean, we, we just laughed so much on that. I was only with you guys in the beginning and the end, but... Uh, what gave, what gave you the, why, how did you, that come together? Why did you end up doing something like that? You know, I had friends that were stand-ups at the time, stand-up comedy, although it's, it's gone through waves, but it wasn't as, today it's so popular, and I think partially because studios are so afraid to make a comedy with a point of view. And obviously in mm. comedy, even if the points of view don't have to be things that anyone agrees with, but a strong point of view is, is funny and, 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 
now a lot of comedians, you know, you talk about the text thread that we're on, Bill Burr being one of them, who's a friend of both yeah. of ours, who's terrific. Um, I love that he has strong points of views on stuff. And so I think people yeah. really go to stand up because they're looking to laugh and, and, and be funny. But and the movies aren't doing aren't taking strong points of view as much. Um, mm. You know th those types of filmmakers that that did that. We don't now the comedies are more trying to include everybody. You know mm -hmm. versus versus taking characters that are that are that are you know askew and you're laughing at their points of view. So even Trent, even your character in Swingers, the end. Uh, you know you do a lot of things in that movie. That character does things in that movie that could be construed as uh, uh, offensive or maybe uh, abrasive or whatever it is, but you get your comeuppance at the end. You, you are. I guess I felt when, different when... in Trent in so much as in that movie in general, I think one of the things that we did right in that was in high school or in college, if you're around girls in classes, you get to know them and you, it's easy to say hi and you have time to hang out and be friends and right. But if you're, if you're not around girls in a social setting, you have to learn how to go up to somebody which is scary, right. you know, how do you go up to someone you don't know and break the ice to see if you get along? And it becomes right. a, a, a thing of like, how do you do that? So you're dealing with a breakup or a guy who's hurting over a breakup. It's not like he could have any girl, he's hurt. He's moving on in his life and he's trying to figure out like, how do I have self value and go to connect with people? So if you really listen right. to what Trent says a lot in the movie is, it's kind of empowering of his friend. He's not cutting girls down. He's not teaching him how to be mean. He says, you're money. Totally. And you got to let him know that you want to have fun, right? He's building him up. It's not about going yeah. to the girls and, and like making them feel bad or getting them to doubt themselves. It's all sort of right. positive exchanges. You know, of course, young and not completely evolved. So I think why the characters liked him in the movie is he's a good friend to Mikey. You can tell he really does like him. He stands mm -hmm. up for him. He's really trying just to build him up and tell him he's worth loving, that he's worth, that he can date someone. And the great lesson of the movie is to be yourself. Because if you're not yourself, mm -hmm. you're really not connecting with somebody in a way where they like you. You're putting on some kind of a presentation. Right, right. And that's what he... So I think the thing at the end was an added on thing. John actually didn't want it in the movie originally. Oh, really? I was coming back from Chicago. I went home to, to before we filmed and I was sitting in the airport I was sitting in a seat and there was the ticket counter that I could see the line was like um, going towards the counter. And there was a man, but he started waving and smiling at me, like in a way that was like treating me like, like a cute little teddy bear. And I, it was a strange moment because it was very, I didn't know this person and it was so confidently done. Uh -huh. I thought this is an odd thing. Like it's one thing to wink or smile at someone, but this guy's really like waving at me and blowing me kisses and shit. Like, and and this is before you had a known face. I, no one knew me. Like, yeah. I had to yeah, a yeah. guest spots and stuff, but no. yeah. and I remember like going through a gamut, like, do I just ignore him? Do I look back at him like I'm a tough guy don't don't play around with me like how do I make this stop because I felt Harris <laughs> uh -huh. he didn't stop it happened about four or five times it was the craziest thing ever and so then once he exchanged his ticket he began to rock, walk directly at me and I thought this uh -huh. gentleman is the most confident <laughs> condescending person and then a couple rolls before me he stopped he like bent down you know, and I couldn't tell because the head of the child did not come up above it. He was he was entertaining a baby. That's so amazing. While he was in line, so the kid didn't cry. 
and I shared it with John. And so then we created the scene where oh, oh, at the end, God. the fun of the movie and that idea was that, you know, some of those independent films, they have some idea. And then at some point, someone would explain the entire movie verbally, which always felt right. like the movie didn't work. If someone has to explain what the movie was, <laughs> right. like that's an odd right. choice. So we're sort of making fun yeah. or having fun with those expectations that at the end, when me and him are talking, he starts uh, to say something like, you know what, man, I didn't understand it. And then it hit me. So it's like, yeah. a like okay, now he's going to explain oh, the message of the film. Oh, that's funny. Right? But yeah. then it's like, no, we're not doing that. And so yeah. then it became me being engaged with the woman. Uh -huh. We got off of that. <laughs> and in a way, what you're saying in a fun way at the end is sort of like, there's a lot of level what that what that suggests and then you know mike is sort of resolved he looks out the window he's no right. longer searching for coaching or things his ego is by in, being okay. himself and being comfortable with himself and not trying that that's mm. a great way to connect with someone so mm -hmm. i think why swingers is surviving is i think that and this is true in in most stories or movies or all of us in life is we're not inventing anything. We're revealing what's already there. In mm. this case, what you're sort of getting at, like in a Socratic way, and you, I don't think any of us in any of these conversations get there all the way, is that being yourself and being genuine with someone is more intimate and a better way to have a connection because someone can really love you. And if you're presenting things that you think someone is going to like, well, then you're not really they're not giving them a chance to get to know who you are. Well, and what a great lesson. Uh, and that's and that's why that scene with Heather Graham is so good when he just kind of like lets his guard down. He's like, you know what? I'm just gonna start. Uh, and he just starts being honest. And, and there's- Yeah, he says, you know, she goes, oh, I thought real men don't like keys. She's like, my reputation precedes me. He's not putting yeah. on facades. He's not trying. Airs. And that's yeah. when you actually have the connection, which is also good writing that what was different about Swingers was if you really look at the messaging was, not about you know getting someone to question themselves or false race stuff it was really go up there feeling like there's nothing wrong with dating go up feeling right like you're worth dating and a little bit of like you know don't be so desperate a little bit of push and pull between in a relationship is a good thing you know not to be it's, right it's a dance, it's a dance. It, it, uh, so there's a yeah. there's a truism and an innocence to swingers and, and i think with trent you know trent is clearly not a guy looking to make people feel small Right. Cut them down, you know, and that's a terrible way in, in any sort of friendship or relationship, because if you do that and they go along with it, you can't really respect them. You know what I mean? It's not going to go well in the long run. Those, those relationships will never survive. Or you can't really respect yourself because you tried to be petty and make someone feel less. So how do you how do you feel good about yourself? Right. It comes from a place of unhappiness too, and and, and uh, a lack of worth. And you. That's it. Lack of worth is really it. You know, you see it in all things. It's like it's one thing if someone has something and you're like, gosh, I wish I had that, but I'm happy for them. It's another thing where it's like, I don't have it. I wish they didn't. Let me get let me get mm. them to doubt themselves or or you know, right. That's a terrible. That's a, a terrible emotion to give over to. You strike me as somebody who always was able to have friends who were actors because you didn't give in to jealousy or, I mean, this is even before you were you were successful as an actor, right? You had a lot of like- well, Don't you think that's kind of the nice thing with our group of friends to some degree is like, I love acting and we're all sort of excited by movies. 
So it's so yeah. fun to be excited for people doing stuff. And also like in a weird way, when you start off as an actor, there's a false idea that you and this person are in competition. Not, not that there's not, you know, trying out for parts and not that competition is good, but what mm. you come to realize is you're actually a part of a strange group that only these other people can relate to. That's you know true. what I mean? Like, it, you which bonds you to be more supportive of each other because you know what it's like to screen test three times and not get a part. Totally. You know what it's like to go to a set and them not get to your coverage when you're starting. You know what I mean? So we actually go, these guys are actually my family. They're not my, they're not my adversaries. They're actually the, the people that I'm sharing this journey with. Well, it's, and fu funny, Vince, there's no better example of that in my life than, which you facilitated, which was my friendship with Kier, which started as Kier O'Donnell, who, who played Todd in Wedding Crushers. It started with, I was so insanely, I don't know if jealous is the right word because I didn't know Kier, um, but I wanted that part in Wedding Crashers so badly. You know, I'd read for it in it. Uh, and and Kier ended up getting. I remember thinking, who is this guy? Who's who got this part that was supposed to be my? And uh, and you would call me when you guys were shooting and say, you gotta come meet this kid. You got you guys would like each other. You were trying to set us up as <laughs> friends, set us up. And I wanted nothing to do with it. And I was sort of jealous that he was, you know, that you guys were getting to hang out. So when I met him, I just, you know, we fell in love with each other. We were just friends right away. But um, he uh, he would tell me stories about Wedding Crashers, which is, I think, the best movie the funniest movie made that decade. Um, and, and the one I wanted to ask you about was, uh, was the dinner table scene, that, that scene. He said it took, did, it, did that take three weeks to shoot? Did that take, um, he just told me how complicated it was. Uh, you a part of those, like and, the breakup dinner table scene was the same animal. Michael Higgins, right. we both love is, no one's funnier than Michael Higgins, by the way. And good luck improvising with him, right? He is so quick and fun. So quick, yeah. But well, like, you know, you're matching these energies, and then it's the next day or two days later, you're getting to the reaction on the other side. And same with Crashers. It's like, you know, and Dopkin's a great director, and you're going around yeah. a table with multiple people, and you're matching these extreme moments, and it's hard to maintain that energy sometimes. It's its own technical discipline as an actor to be able right. to deliver that and be there off camera for your fellow actors. Right, yeah, God, I can't imagine. It, because it, you watch it, <clears throat> and I've done those t dinner table scenes, but people might not know how much, uh, it's just brilliant. That, th yeah, it's just brilliant. Um, what was, uh, I also want to ask you, go back before the act, and you had told a great story. Do you remember what used to, used to get into amusement parks? You had a, you had a, a thing that you would do where you would you would get tickets from like uh yes. disney disney and stuff would you will you tell that story yes so when i was younger i had become friendly with a kid who was actually a boyfriend of one of my older sisters a guy named i won't i won't say his name but he was he was really kind and really great to me but he mm -hmm. had a really unique background he lived in a trailer park his mom lived in the trailer with her parents, the grandparents, and he was 16 when I met him. I went to go see him in the trailer park and the grandparents were not particularly affectionate to him. He didn't get to sleep there and he, he would have to pay them a quarter to use the shower. And at the time, there was two young girls that were about, you know, just over a year apart, but they each had different fathers. And what became clear was that the mother I had multiple children, I want to say potentially north of 10, 
and with different dads all the time. And so the grandparents feeling close to each kid was really kind and loving, but really tough, like total survivor. And interesting because a lot of guys like this, he, he didn't have a dad. His father, I think, was in some kind of serious crime and lived in Florida. It was so bad, he ran away from his father. I didn't realize this, but he hitchhiked everywhere. He had gotten a tent that he would put in woods to sleep at night. I remember going out to eat with him and my sister at like a restaurant and then him asking us to wait outside and then later realizing that he never paid. Like he found a way to walk into places without getting recognized. I, I remember him going to grocery stores. He would walk around and make a sandwich in the store while talking to security, while wow. talking to people and being like it's normal because it's just how he survived. He would, yeah. this was before you would, there was bleeps, like when you would take something out of a store. So he would yeah. walk out with it in his hand. And his oh thought process God. was if they stopped him, he would just say, oh, I forgot it was a Oh, yeah. But if you put it on uh. your shirt, it was a thing. So anyway, he was uh. very much a guy who would survive, he had nothing. And the other side that I found fascinating was he would watch a lot of Kung Fu movies. He would take adages or sayings and he was looking for some fatherly parental guidance. You know, so he would repeat these things over and over like they were words to live Mantras. He also had nunchucks that he would keep um, in the back of his jeans. So if you frisked him, you wouldn't know he had it on him. And he was so protective of my sister and he was very loving and sweet. He was very strong. I remember it was crazy. He would come over to our house and have a bandage around his stomach. He was stabbed in a fight. He just didn't have any guidance, Justin. He was very loving and sweet. He was so interesting to me. And my dad is so honest and such a, my dad is hilarious, Mm -hmm. but my dad's the kind of guy like if the dealer mispays him at the blackjack table, He'll say, no, you paid me too, too much and give it back to the dealer. He's a hard worker. He's an honest, hard worker. Yeah. Like, I remember my dad, my dad was selling a house and a guy had to put down like, you know, $10,000 or $20,000 deposit. And when the deal didn't go through, even though my dad was allowed to keep it, my dad gave it back to him. Wow. I remember wow. saying, why did you do that, dad? He said, well, if he can't afford the house, Vince, do you think he can afford the money? And my dad was became very successful. He was the first to go through college, but... My dad is so, and his grand, his mom was the same way. So honest. Yeah, yeah. But I remember thinking of it, I think a lot of us at that age is a game. So I became very good at getting into bars when I wasn't old enough and getting into uh-huh. places I didn't belong. And it became the fun. It was fun to go places you didn't go. And when I first moved to Hollywood, I moved out when I was 18. Peter lived with me, Billingsley. And I remember when it came to get alcohol, what I would do, and it's something I learned from this from this gentleman um, is we would go to the grocery store, you would get a shopping cart. In the shopping cart, you would put like a bo- like bologna and some bread. You know, you would pay uh-huh. for the sandwich. But then uh-huh. you'd go to the liquor department and you would put like bottles of, of vodka, you would put like cases of beer underneath the shopping cart on the bottom. Uh-huh. Right? This uh-huh. is before there was bleeps and tags because you were trying to get alcohol. You were underage, right? Yeah. Remember as a kid, sometimes we'd go to like a town and give like Navy guys money to buy a spear. And sometimes they would uh-huh. just take the money. And sometimes they'd <laughs> do that spot for beer. And sometimes they'd yeah. buy it and give it to you, right? Yeah. 
<laughs> so this was yeah. our solve. And then when you would push out of the store, you would just talk really fun to the woman who was checking it out. Of course, because of the way it was positioned, they couldn't see what was on the bottom of the cart. And then walking uh -huh. out, you would like go up to the security guard and talk to him. You know, you couldn't right. just sneak out in a hurry. Yeah, I would go out you were brazen. With the bottom of the cart, you know, booze to go out of my way That's... to go to the security guard and have a conversation with him. So this is how we would get alcohol. We never had a problem. We would just go every, you know, whenever we would need it. And this is the way that we would do it. And they would just never even think to look because we're going up and being normal. Now we'll go to the, to the amusement park story. Uh -huh. <laughs> so I thought it was, it was Disneyland. And the thought process was to me, I was like, huh, can we get into Disneyland, right? Mm -hmm. without, without paying, is there a way to get into Disneyland? I remember there was a casting director for Disney. I had gone out for auditions, you know, and the <laughs> casting director for Disney was a guy named Matt Casella. Yeah. So I would call up and say, yes, I'm an assistant to Matt Casella, the Disney casting director. We have a bunch of young actors shooting a movie. We want them to have some time to bond with each other. We want them to come to the park and we want to put, we want to get them some passes to come in and enjoy the day at the park. We really want them to have some fun. I'd say it's the name because Matt Cassell on there and it would be obviously they'd have a list of all the Disney employees. My name's not on it. I would make up a name like Ramon Kutchins uh -huh. or something. They say, your name's not on the list, sir. And I would say, well, because I'm a personal assistant for Matt. Well, can we talk to Matt? I say, Matt's traveling. He's out of the country. He's on a vacation. This came through to me last minute. I'm not going to be able to get a hold of him. But I think he's going to be pretty disappointed if we're not able to get these guys in to bond. Well, you know, who are the actors? Well, I would name the most famous young actors of the time. Right, like the guys right. that everyone knew, like the how C. Thomas Howell, right? C. Thomas Matt Howell. Dillon, yeah. And they go, hold on. Well, then they'd come back and be like, well, clearly, if Tom Cruise and these people are coming to the park, and this guy's name <laughs> is a casting director that's listed as an employee, uh -huh. why would we not let these guys in the park? So I would list all the names and then mine, but I was uh -huh. well known. I could have been just saying, you know. Yeah. And Peter B. Well, you would say Peter Billingsley too, right? No, Peter... I didn't use Peter B. for this. Oh, I did oh, not oh, use oh, Peter oh. B. for this. Although I did go with oh. Peter B., but we didn't use his, his name. Although you probably okay. could. I did use Peter B.'s name other times to get into the places. I would call. Uh -huh. We weren't even 21, but I would say, Mr. Billingsley from A Christmas Story would love to come in tonight but we're a little nervous about stuff. You know, they set us up with bottle service, whatever. But anyway, so I would always say, put the, I'd say, can you please just put these tickets under Tom Cruise's name so that when Tom comes to the will call, I would get it all set up. They were prepared uh -huh. for Tom Cruise to be the one to walk up and get the tickets. And then right before- Plus nine. Right before I hung up, I would always say, you know what? Put it under Vince's name. I don't think Tom's gonna wanna walk up and see anybody. So I'd get it all approved. And then at the last minute, I would, I would change it to the one name that wasn't well known. Yeah. Then you get there, Brilliant. right? And then when you get to the park, you have to walk up. But there's no signs, <laughs> there's no nothing. So I'd have to walk up with my ID to the will call uh -huh. by myself <laughs> and give them my ID to get these you know, four tickets or however many people we were taking, six tickets. Uh -huh. And it would go through, and then I would walk back, and you know, your heart's racing to the other, yeah. the other people that were coming in, and then we, and then we just take the tickets and filter in and be in the park. It's brilliant. Um,
and looking back as you get older, you know, you go, God, that's terrible. But at the time, as a kid, it was sort of that fun right. of, can I get into a bar when I'm not old enough? Can we get access yeah. to a place to go to? It was kind of the game of it. So I was always good at getting access to places or getting right. stuff because I think I was exposed to, to my friend younger yeah. who really just did it as a way to survive. That's amazing. And it, it's also like, I'm sorry, even if people are going to be like, oh, that's somewhat offensive. It's fun. It's undeniably a fun story. Well, yeah, and I don't apologize from that point. It was fun, and I did enjoy doing it. It's, it is, but I'm saying as you get older, you look at a lot of those things that seemed fun, lots of, of stuff that we did younger. And as you get older, it's like the youth, right? You, it's, it's stuff that at the time was fun, and as you get older, it wouldn't be so much. But I, I, we had a blast. Right. And a lot of it for me was too good acting, like human nature and and how you convey stuff to people and of course it's acting like it was a master being around him was really a master class life could be a dream sweetheart here's a weird writing tip for work don't Uh, hear me out you can generate your draft fast with Canva Docs. Canva Docs have an AI text generator built in called Magic Write, which is powered by OpenAI. You can generate any text you want for work, including meeting agendas, job descriptions, marketing plans, sales proposals, you name it. Just start with a prompt and you'll have a draft in seconds. And all you need to do is tweak your draft and... You're done. It's a serious time saver and the perfect way to beat the blank page. You can even reword sentences, summarize or expand text, and so much more. One thing that sometimes stumps me is writing very basic descriptions for the podcast. And sometimes the hardest part is coming up with the very first couple sentences. Canva's magic write is so helpful because once it generates a few thought starters, The rest comes much, much easier. Try Canva Docs with an AI text generator built in. Generate your draft fast with Canva Docs at canva.com, designed for work. When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and an extended reach through Glassdoor. Their matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. That's probably why 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com long. Just go to Indeed.com long right now and support the show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com long. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, hello again. Shaboom and up we'll meet again. Did you get Rudy? Uh, I know we have to go soon. This is killing me. I could talk to you for hours. Did you get Rudy in, in, you got it in Chicago, right? You were cast. No, I had done the Improv Olympic in Chicago oh. before I left to move to California. I was more interested in pursuing an acting career than a, than a sketch comedy career, although I loved, I loved it. And I got Rudy in the strangest way. I, I had like a lot of, at the time I didn't have an agent. You know, I had worked sporadically, some after school specials, some guest stars. So I had a tape that had some scenes in it. 
Uh-huh. And I just remember getting a phone call saying, you're going to go do this movie, Rudy, which never happens. They just cast weird. me based on my tape. Weird. It was so weird. And then I obviously went and, and did the movie, which was a great experience. David Anspaugh, who was the director, who was just so great. Yeah. And we, you have you been in Notre Dame? like that, Justin, where you got something off a of tape? I, uh, a Mike Judge movie but i had already done a few things mike said it was the first time he cast somebody off a tape and it was a very small part you had a much bigger role in rudy um and people might be surprised that that's that that should be surprising because you're now a very known person but this is before swingers this is before this is early 90s mid 90s um and and did you ever put together what it was what was on the tape i mean you would oh my gosh it was just like me doing like a a scene from 21 jump street china beach you know what i mean you know, those yeah. used to get those tapes made where, remember those old headshots where you'd have to have different looks? Right. You had like yeah, yeah. glasses on, oh, the- you were in a book, you had on sweatbands and you were holding half a table <laughs> like you were helping a friend move. You'd have a chef's hat on. Like take- yeah, it was like the village people. But literally, I'd have the same look on my face just wearing different clothes as if I was really pushing the boundaries to let them know that, yes, I could be a jock, but if you're looking... If you're looking for someone who works in a science lab, I'm that guy too, because don't you see, I have my, my smock on. And I have glasses, so I'm an academic. When you met Favreau on the set of Rudy, was that was it right away that you guys connected? Was it like um, you just started making each other laugh? Was yeah, that I like John was fun, and, and he was in the Improv Olympics, so that was a common thing. But he was funny. He liked mm. to tease in kind of a mean-spirited way and make fun of you, and yeah. I could you know, do the same. So, yeah, there was there – was, uh, there was a, a dynamic that was, you know, senses of humor for sure. And, and and with swingers, as simple as we should write something together. We should. Swingers we should was as simple them. as me saying to him, "I'm going to go write something because everything we get to audition for is like whatever. Mm. Like no one's going to write mm-hmm. something contemporary that's great for us." And then John just went, and in two weeks, it was just something that came out of him. I think basically because of he was in that position where the world was new. You know, I was, yeah. I had taken him out to some of these places in that neighborhood, like swing bands and stuff like that were places I used to go to. And I think he mm. was taking his own experience and obviously writing and exaggerating it for comedy. So it just yeah. sort of came out of, you know, it's like they say people, everyone has a story or a screenplay in them. And you just, yeah. you just write, didn't you just write and direct something? I, I did. Yeah. I can't wait to send it to you with my, with my brother. Uh, we, we loved it, but it was, it was, we love buddy comedies. We love odd couple comedies and, I think that's why I have such a – I mean, Wedding Crushers is great regardless, but I love movies like that. Swingers, Made is one of our fa- – so we were really inspired by movies like that. And, and uh, I just love the, the, the simplicity of, of those dynamics. And, and like you said, they don't really make movies like that because there's, it, they were all about – there was so much – they were character-based. They were um, – it wasn't about necessarily funny lines. It was uh, about characters who, who were evolving and, and – in funny situations maybe, but I, I just, I, I feel old, you know, I know we've been texting a lot about these old movies and John Hughes, but I, lately I've been like, God, they don't, how many times do you say that? They don't make them like that anymore. And, and I, I wonder why you, you, you can articulate better than anyone what made somebody like John Hughes so great and, and, and what made the movies that you were making so last, um, what, what do you think it is that's been lost? I mean, you, you touched on it earlier. Well, John was so special, and I had the good fortune of getting to know him really well. Um, yeah, I didn't know that. He lived in Lake Forest, which is the town I was raised in. I moved it to Lake Forest when I was about eight. Um, I did not know him younger. Those movies were coming out, and so it was 
that was the, the, the area that I lived in. But later um, in life, once I had had some success, I reached out to him just as a fan. And he was so gracious to me. John did so much for people financially with giving to, to causes and giving to people and also with his time. And he never mm. took public attention for it. Like when he passed away, there was some pen pal letters that came out, a girl sent to a magazine, I think it was Vanity Fair, and she sent in these, these letters that she had as an exchange with John. And what she didn't realize was she was one of very many, like John would get engaged with these kids who wrote. And I think the essence of her was that she was impressed with his writing. You know, think about this, yeah. when John was writing those movies, there wasn't a lot of female leads in films. He said he had a hard time with the studios getting those made because they would say, yeah, we can't have a girl as a lead. Wow. And they, because men make the, the, the purchase choices, the men decide what to go to. Wow. And John said, what house do you live in? Like there's lots of things <laughs> my wife makes the decision on uh -huh. stuff like that's not even in reality, which I uh -huh. think Justin is a good thing for all of us to realize, like even right now, there's certain sayings that become things that the movie industry says that these are like facts and they're not. Like they'll say, you need uh -huh. to have an IP. So mm -hmm. much so that they'll take a board game and make a movie out of it. But just because <laughs> someone likes a board game doesn't mean they're gonna see a movie about, you know what I mean? Right, right, right. So then we all start to create and write and go, oh, gosh, we have to have an IP, which is totally not true. Mm. You know, there aren't these rules mm. that exist. Like back in the day, they used to say, you can't have a, a, a female teenage lead. It's just mm. like, I don't know who came up with this. But John, who was just a great listener and a great writer, wrote these terrific characters, whether it was 16 Candles, 16 can't, yeah. Breakfast Club, or right, Pretty in Pink. So this the exchange of this letter was, and they're out there, they're published. You can maybe link Yeah, I want to read them. But, but she wrote something in regards of loving what he did and was inspired, and she said something in the letter how she had a teacher who was critical of her writing. And John wrote something back, like, just beautiful. Like, why would you worry what someone else thinks? Do you like your writing? It's fun to write. Like, if you like it, keep going. Huh. He has to have exchanges with him. Like, it's just a simple, kind encouragement, right? And a right philosophy. Yeah. Like, you can't put all your self-value on the opinion of a so-called expert or in the hands of someone else. You have, to, you have to come up with your own set of standards, and you have to live up to what you find to be valuable. Vince, was that a lesson you had to learn? I mean, was that a lesson that, that you it learned? Do. I, think yeah. you, and I, I think you learn at a young age, like what matters how you feel about something versus the approval of others. John wow. had that, was always kind and connective. He never lost that sense of being a child with dreams yeah. or hopes or looking to feel good somewhere. And he would nurture that or play ping pong with anyone that brought that genuineness wow. to the table. One of the very many surprising things, but that was interesting. When I went to his funeral, so many people came in and got up and spoke. Yeah, you know, just yeah. how much that, that he meant to them, right? Yeah, yeah. And there was a young black man that got up and talked at the podium who was raised in Lake Forest. And from his story, he did not have a, a father figure uh, that John really took him under his wing so much that like John took him to all the Blackhawks games with the family. 
John would take him on vacations to Europe. Like, you know, he became part of the fabric of the family. And this, this yeah. gentleman talked about how John taught him so much and included him and made him feel like a family member. And he was speaking of, you know, how, how he had a uh, family and was a guy that was getting married and how he had a life and living it and was just so complimentary that it came from the lessons that John taught him by John just loving him. Hmm. and just kind of showing him how to be a family member. Yeah. This is, again, yeah. both of these are, are one of many, many, many. And yet, if you look at right. John, he wasn't self-promoting. He didn't the, go yeah. out there and try to sell what he was doing to be liked. He kind of well, really did great things in his life because he had he was a beautiful person. And then his movies were his story, like the movies, you know, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, Breakfast Club. There, there's something in John's movies like The Breakfast Club, which I find better than all the teenage stuff afterwards. And the oh, God, yeah. This. John suggests in that movie, you start with these six archetypes. There's a jock, there's the nerd, there's the crazy girl, there's the homecoming queen, there's the, the kid that's kind of from the wrong side of the tracks, right? Mm. And they all feel so different and they're all like against each other. And what that movie reveals is the truth that all these kids are hurting. They're way more alike than different. And what made me and all of us younger at the end of those movies was I actually felt closer to my classmates. He was revealing that we're probably all go, like it's not easy for the wrestler Emilio Estevez and the pressure he's under. The homecoming queen has her stuff. The nerd has his stuff. And when the movie ended, it wasn't like, oh, the nerds are great and all the jocks are bad, except for the pretty girls. The pretty girls are cool and the nerds are cool. And John's movie, he was saying, everyone's a human. Everybody's hurting. No one feels safe sharing all of their things. And that somehow the guy who seems the most opposite to you is probably more similar than not if you had a chance, like The Breakfast Club, to connect you come to realize that human beings, and I think this is as true today as it always has been, there's more things that are similar that we can connect to than a zero-sum game where one group wins and one group loses. Well, I agree, Vince. That's what, one of the reasons I love doing this show, too, because I'm constantly seeing that in people and people that I, ha I have preconceived notions about. Um, it's like Dave Bautista, this, a massive guy. You look at that guy and think, oh, he, he had it easy. He could conqueror anybody and he's he has some and there was there's pain that people uh explore and 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 i think that's why we're all drawn to acting we are all we are all like you said earlier you know we're part of this this group of of people who have come together for a reason and are able to bond for a reason it's one of the reasons well, i love to learn about things. ourselves and the world around us you have a curiosity you're in pursuit yeah. of trying to understand right why yeah yeah why why do human yeah. beings do things it's like why why are we hurting why am I laughing? So it's like, right. you're, you're curious. I think you and me are similar that younger, I was far more of an observer. I could be in settings and not feel confident, but I loved watching people. We were talking on the thread earlier about planes, trains, and automobiles. Oh, yeah. Which we love that. Well, and you were yeah, bringing case up a scene point. that you found interesting. You know, the scene we were talking about, it's when, it's when John Candy's sitting in his car and, uh, and, and, and he's talking to his wife his dead wife mm. and it's snowing out and and there's that the, the you you had mentioned you were pointed out how brilliant john hughes was when it came to music and and there's just that synthesizer kind of like 
crescendoing in the background. It's just beautiful. Steve Martin opens the you door. What was and amazing says, about him was I would I, I was fortunate. I'd go to his house until like seven at night, and we would be up till like six in the morning just talking, like me and you do, right? And 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 investigating. Wow. But musically, wow. if you think about it, this was before the internet. So he would go to record shops and just sift through albums. And if you look at a lot of the bands and music that he made popular, they weren't hits. Yeah. Like he wasn't spending to put a hit in his movie. He was actually uh, finding music that no one really knew. Like a lot of those Celtic wow. bands, like Simple Minds and yeah. stuff. He was finding songs and then, and then you know, putting those things in the movie. And I think he was wow. picking some of those things out even prior to writing, but then those songs became these great, you know, hits. But he was he was introducing them to us. He wasn't taking things and and selling them, you know, which is like he was musically, he knew so much about the origins of of, of music and God. And they never and over all, and 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 uh, like old hillbilly music. And he was just a historian. He was so radically bright, but a great combination of that and being really fun to to talk to about stuff, including. I, I bet. I bet. Well, that's uh, that's how you, that's that's you, my friend. I'm I'm thank you I'm, for doing this. I this is exactly how I feel about you. I, I uh, this was I I've been doing this for a little while, and I, I I've been thinking about having you know can't wait to talk to you. But um, uh, I had always thought we were going to do it in per person. You know, it's it's that's why I think we had been I'd been putting it off because it was it was you know this is weird to do it on Zoom. It is. I guess. Yes, but it's I can't wait to see you. Um But I love you, I, I adore I you. You're so so talented and so smart and you have such a great, you know, um curiosity and you're generous and fun. I'm just so grateful that I've gotten to know you and have you as a Likewise. friend for all these years, Justin. You've brought a lot of me laughter too, to me and and I just I just adore you, man. I love you so much. I I, I did. A, I prematurely ended the show too because I have a, a lightning round. Okay, let's do it. Is that all right? Yeah, really yeah let's do it. Um, uh, I love you though. I that means the world. Love you, you know. dude. You've been just the best. Um, what is your most commonly used emoji? I don't. Use, I probably just a thumbs up. I don't use a lot. Of yeah. Emoji, yeah. If you could be a professional athlete, what sport would you play? That changes as I've gotten older because I don't want to fall and get hurt. I don't play golf. I'm not a golfer, but that seems like something where I could relax a little bit on the course. I, I know. I want to get into it. Yeah. Uh, um, if you could have one snack food for the rest of your life, what would it be? Your go-to snack food. Oh, I can't get enough be, of these things. It would be Rice Krispie treats. Oh, yeah. Homemade Rice yeah. Krispie treats are a nice guy. Uh, you? I'll, I'll, I'll do the whole tray. I do a whole tray, too. Yeah. My wife won't make it because it's a problem. Oh yeah, you a whole tray. I yeah, you're. I mean, it's not as impressive um, for you to say because you're a bigger person. But yeah, I just I, got I, off. A, I just I did it. I'm about to go shoot this this uh, film, so I just did like a ten day cleanse and lost the. I was going to say you look great. Thank you. I had to. 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 Get, I had to get, at quarantine. I was eating like it's my job, and now I've, I've come back to normal. So I'm, I'm not going to have any rice krispie treats. But I would. I really enjoy a nice rice krispie treat. Oh yeah, what? Do you put peanut butter in the Rice Krispie treat, or chocolate chips, or just simple marshmallows and rice? Simple, simple, simple pure. Simple, baby. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what is your? This is I. I hate asking people this, so I have to amend it a little. Your favorite movie, the, a movie or a movie that you can't wait to introduce your daughters to? I'll just say the first one off the top of my head, knowing it could change. Yeah. But one flew over the cuckoo's nest. Oh God, yeah, yeah. But I think I related yeah. to that movie. I bet. Did you talk about a? You see, 
I think everyone does the sense of being caged and, and uh, I, I have a real problem with bureaucracy and um, always had a problem with authoritarian, authoritarian characters. Um, yeah, I bet, but I can see you relating to it a lot and more. It's huge. It's no, it was like, I remember being a kid and liking to joke and laugh and have fun. Uh -huh. and you were probably similar. Like I got along with all different groups. I just like to get, I just had fun and I had different interests. I bet. Right? But I, the teachers, yeah. the, the authority didn't like me. I'm sure. They really didn't like me because I would think for myself and I would question shit sometimes. One time a kid at my school got up. You, you ever have this? He was the kind of kid that just, he was lovely one-on-one. -on -one. He was a wrestler, but he just didn't uh -huh. like to talk. He gets uh -huh. up to give a speech and he was a redhead and he gets up to give a speech and his face is turning red. It's like so much like emotion is there and the teacher kept making him stand up there. And he like couldn't talk. It was like he was going to have a heart attack. And then I told him to sit down. I said, give him a uh -huh. I said, it's over. I said, he didn't give the speech. And the teacher's like, uh -huh. he can't sit down. I said, yes, he can. He's sitting down. There's nothing he's gaining from this. This isn't helping that anyone. And then he left the classroom. And I think he went and punched a window. Yeah. This fucking asshole. Like, there's no like tough love moment. There's nothing. This fucking asshole is putting this fucking kid through this shit. He's got to live with us. Like, you know how it is. That becomes his legacy. Totally, you know why? yeah. Because I think I knew what it felt like to get the thumbnails on me. You know, I, well, I remember also, when I was a kid, they were like, oh, we think he might have too much energy and we got to uh -huh. test him to be, you know, hyperactive. And, you know, I was really just uh -huh. curious and, and stuff. So so I knew that feeling. So I when I saw that movie, I was like, well, yeah, what's he doing wrong? He kind of wants to have fun. Yeah, yeah. Things, but the nurse is like, and then it's like amazing in that movie when you come to find out that it's voluntary, that those right, guys are right. all for really some like, of them. Billy doesn't is attracted to girls, but he has to sit on it. It's somehow bad that he wants to be intimate with someone, and he's yeah. using to take medication. And it's a shock when Nicholson's character finds out that these guys are there by choice. Some of yeah, and 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 his reaction is almost like he's be feels betrayed. He feels like who has tricked you into this? Who has who has convinced you that you're uh, that you're this way? That that you're bad or I wrong? I think that's or, like or in shame. the path that we chose as actors in life. It's like you want to say to people, like it's okay to have some fun. You yeah, know, you don't yeah, have to be yeah. perfect at everything. You don't have well, to do everything people are telling you to do to have a great life. Like, take a minute. What do you like? Like, you come into this world to be your authentic self. Follow your bliss, like, and, and maybe have your own value system. Like when we started off to be actors, I never thought I'd make money. I never, it would never have crossed my mind. I just thought, oh my goodness, well, if I could, it was like, if I could get in a play or get a couple lines on a TV show and my mom could watch it, I was like, I remember every time I, if I got a commercial or a guest spot, I was like, celebrate, I've made it. You know, and you, uh, yeah. I was just so excited to totally. work. I never had totally. a plan of like, oh, I'm gonna really, this is gonna be a real waterfall. <laughs> Oh, no. Um, me either. Oh, fuck. I, I'm getting a note from, uh, I know we really got to go. Uh, really quickly, if you could have dinner with three people, dead or alive, whom you've never met, who, who would oh, you Oh, that I've with? never met? Yeah, or that you haven't spent significant time with. You'd like to really, like, have a meal with them. If I could sit with three people that I never met, gosh, I don't know. Well, let's just go off the top of my head. Three people that I, that I never met. Um... Maybe if we're staying in the in the world of movies and books, I would say um, I would say 
Orwell. Uh huh. I would say. Um, um, Kubrick. Uh huh. And um, Stephen King. Oh, did wow. you ever read the book Rage? Yeah. He wrote under the name Richard Bachman. No. He wrote, a short, he wrote a series of books called the Bachman books because he wanted to not, once he was well known as Stephen King, just as a different offer. But he wrote this book, which is very Breakfast Club, he's, he's very, much darker, but it's called Rage. It's a terrific, one of my favorite okay. books I read as a kid. Huh. Okay. I'm going to check it out. Uh, if, you, if you could live somewhere else, where would it be? If I could live somewhere else, where would it be? Um, gosh, uh, I guess I would say... I've had the good Chicago of living a lot of different places. You mean a different state or a different yeah. country? Yeah, anywhere. A different. If you can move your family somewhere, um, maybe, maybe Arizona. Okay. Uh, and and if who do you have a favorite Muppet, Vince? Of a, a Muppet that you always really loved. Boy, I really loved all of those Muppets. Yeah. Um, as a kid, I really liked Animal. Maybe Kermit. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah. Animal. <laughs> I love the animal. Yeah. If you could, uh, would you rather be called unattractive or unfunny? Would I rather be unattractive or unfunny? It, to have somebody call you unattractive or unfunny. Well, depending on the person, and what the circumstances <laughs> was. That's there true. Some people I'd that... want to find me unfunny and others I would prefer if they found me unattractive. So it's that, a case a by point. case situation wrong. Um, and Golden Girl, which Golden Girl do you most identify with, Dorothy, Blanche, Rose, or Sophia? I remember the Golden Girls. I don't remember all of their characters. Uh, B. Arthur. Yeah. I'd say B. Arthur. That Dorothy. Yeah. Uh, dog, uh, do you prefer dogs or cats? Dogs. Uh, Beatles or the Rolling Stones? Stones. Okay. That's all, we, that's all I have for you. <laughs> <laughs> I love you so much. I, I won't be able to properly gush without getting weird. So I'm going to do that in the intro and the outro with Christian. You're the best, my friend. So fun talking to you, dude. Congratulations Always. on everything. I'm super excited to see your new movie, man. Uh, I'm going to send it to you. I can't wait. And and I'll, I can't wait to see you. I'll see you in a couple weeks. It's too long. All right. Love you, buddy. All right. Love Great. you, man. So that happened. Well, that just happened. Oh, that's pretty good. <laughs> well, that happened. Well, that happened. It's very, you got to go over here. I mean, it's really strong Chicago, but it's. I feel like it's getting stronger as he I gets know, older. I know, I know. But it's also like there's, but he's got, it's a there's, blend. There's, there's, the beers, the bears. He's got a blend though. He's got a blend of, uh, there's a slight southern, like there's a twang uh -huh. sometimes, you know, it's really, it's a, such a unique voice. And I don't mean just like the tone. He's also got the words he chooses that he puts together are so unique, you know, you're make right. me laugh he, so I, hard. I think you're right. He is the world's very best talker. Mm -hmm. He's the world's best talker. He's my favorite person to hear talk. <laughs> Which is crazy because think about all the people that you a hear lot talk. of people talk. Yes. Yeah. A lot of people talk. Yeah, yeah. Most people. I know. Even the way he says something as simple as um, you're uh, good look. You look young. You know uh, the porcelain skin. The porcelain skin. Look on you. Oh, <laughs> I love when he said um, porcelain skin on you. When he said homemade rice krispie treats are a nice time. <laughs> Yeah, Made me laugh can, so can hard. you do a whole tray too? Oh, you can do a whole tray too. I, just his delivery—it's like the combination of the words he chooses. And there's something kind of old-fashioned about. It's almost like he formal the way he talks. Uh -huh. um, I, I I always go back to like 
I don't know, the scenes and made. He does stuff, those outtakes, I, I, it just make me laugh so he hard. He's such a fertile brain. Yeah. You know, he has, and it, it's, it's the, he has so much curiosity. And I, I think him and Swingers specifically, uh -huh. it's the combination of he's so handsome, uh -huh. so good looking. Yeah, he's got like matinee looks. Oh, beautiful looking yeah. and incredibly sharp and funny and fast. Uh, and that combination of those looks <laughs> and that personality, I can't imagine it ever being replicated. No, I know. To like like I, that, you know. I, it's, I know. Most people who look like that are they have a wonder... they might have a certain kind of charm or like cool factor. <laughs> yeah. But they don't have that quickness. Where it really struck me as being like totally unique, not to him but to his family, was when I played. I will never forget this. Playing, I visited uh, his house where where he grew up and. We were playing catchphrase with his sisters and Victoria. And the two of them, they're, they're all V names, right? They're all V names, yeah. Family. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Victoria's kind of like, she's a producer on, she writes too, really funny writer on Ephesus for Family. And she kind of talks like this, babe, babe, babe. She talks like him, but like higher pitched. And she goes after him. They, the two of them to get like, because her mind is equally, she's quick too. I, you can see where he came from when you, when mm. you play a board game with them, and they're kind of competitive. And like, oh it's gosh. so it was so entertaining. What playing catchphrase? I was really impressed by him talking about not wanting to hurt people. Kind of his ethos, yeah. In general, I know we've had this debate before about like. Is that type of personality, would, could that be considered bullying, mm -hmm. like the stuff he does? Mm -hmm. But I think, um, I don't think it is because he he has a real awareness for not hurting people. Well, he says it. I mean, he says, you know, we're all made up of these, we're all human beings that are made up of, um, y you know, different pieces and, and different components. And what is mean, uh, you know, mm -hmm. what something, and you know, something that somebody might construe as being mean or offensive. Um, every, it depends on who's absorbing it, who's watching it. So when, you know, when my, this guy I was talking to said that the other day about those movies in the 2000s, I don't know what his experience is. I don't know what triggered him. Uh, I've never found a performance of Vince's coming from a place of nastiness or meanness or a, at all, at all. If, I, if anything, he's able to, he does what very few people can do, like what Bill Murray or we're talking about Don Rickles, some people like that can... Um, say kind of off-color things or potentially even a, a insulting things, but say it yeah, in, a, in, a, in a way that has uh, – that is charming. That is – they say it from a place of warmth. It is it's not coming very from similar to Don Rickles. I yeah. Think. It's, it's like he can bust your balls, but it's, it's loving in I, a way. I got to meet Don Rickles very briefly, and he said some of the most insulting things to me – about my looks, about my, told him I was, what, what are you, Italian? You know, and then he went after Italian. But he, he, it all, came, there was a twinkle in his eye that was so apparent. It wasn't yes. even like, he was just, he just seemed like a loving person. Well, I think a really good example of, of what we're talking about with Vince is the story he told about um, when he was in school and that, yeah. and that uh -huh. nervous, red-haired kid who looked like he was going to have a heart attack was, was <laughs> being made to speak and the teacher was not letting him off the hook. And he 
stuck up for him in a way that I, I I've never done with anybody. I mean, that's such I an impressive, it's impressive thing to do to stand up to the teacher yeah. and say, "Ballsy, hey, you should sit down." It's like he's using his powers for good. But to me, that's like the exact opposite of a bully. A bully would have yeah. laughed at that kid struggling. Well, and that's why he correctly, I think, called me out for my assessment of Trent in Swingers. I think Trent is, as he says, a guy who was trying to lift up his friends. He was, you know, it's a. There's a way to read that, I suppose. Again, it depends on who's watching it. I agree. I agree are. with what he was. I, that's the thing. I, everything he was saying about that character, I think, was right about him being a good friend. But I also think that character was on the misogynistic side, mm-hmm. and it was. Granted, it was 25 years ago, and things are different now. But that's if, the thing. I also think about was, some of those scenes. The way he he was he was pretty rude to women in that yeah, movie. Yeah. Yeah. His uh, admiration and love for John Hughes, uh, I didn't know that he had that, but it makes perfect sense that he does because John Hughes was the master at storytelling and and just having such a good grasp on character and and, and heart heart yeah I, people and might that's, and that's Vince in a nutshell I think people might not think of him that way when people think of Vince and oh, it kills me whenever I hear oh Vince is in these frat they called it the frat pack. Um, but I, I think you're really, like, discounting and discrediting, like, how much heart he has in his performances and how much of that he's writing, too. Like, the scene with, um, oh, God, what a brilliant actor who passed away, sadly, um, who plays the priest in Wedding Crashers. Do you remember his name? Mm-hmm. I don't remember his name. Uh, wonderful actor. The two of them have the scene. I, I'm almost positive, and I wish I had asked him about this to, to, to clarify. Uh, I'm almost positive that whole thing was improvised. Wow. Where, where they sit down and uh, and he says, "Come in, come in here for the real." That's an example of that. That line has become. How many guys have you heard? Women have you heard use that line? Come in here for the real thing. <laughs> that was yeah. Vince, but that's the kind of thing he used to do. Come in here for the real thing all the time. And I would hear lines like that hanging out and marvel at where that came from. And then I remember seeing Wedding Crashers and um, and thinking, "Oh, I've heard that." That's but he's using, you know. Now everyone's heard it. Yeah. It's really, uh, he's a... He's special. He's a real genius. Let's read a letter. Okay, good. All right. Well, I like that. I like how you took over. From William Kratz. Subject, community and coupons and bones to pick. Brother, brothers... Uh, he sent a picture, by the way, for oh. context. Oh, okay. Do you want to see him? Okay, he's, uh, there's a picture with uh, William and his son. And he's, uh, I'm zooming in, he's got a little frog. He's holding a frog. Assuming it's his son. Yeah. Or William his... and a... Nephew. Or his, his um, maybe he's in the Big Brother program. Yes. Okay. We don't want to make assumptions. William Kratz says, the kid is very cute. A little ginger kid. Might be his son. Uh, he's somebody's son. <laughs> Brothers Long and Maggie. Writing to you from Appleton, Wisconsin. Found your show mid-COVID, and it has been an unusually optimistic thing that I appreciate. Not normally into the uplifting content, but for sure needed it. Oh, that's nice that he finds it uplifting. I listen to your show while I deliver mail, and this year it's been trying with package and political mail volumes off the volume off the charts. I bet, Justin, you remind me so much of one of my high school buddies. Oh, and the two of you make me reminisce about the conversations we would have stoned. <laughs> That's nice. The interviews, like when we were like in high school, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, uh, the interviews could be longer, uh, but not at the expense of your brotherly banter. Long form, no pun intended, conversation is needed in this time of sound bites and echo chambers. Totally agree. Yeah. Here, here. Yeah. But <laughs> that's kind of what we were saying. Bones to pick are as follows. Okay. Uh-oh. 
I don't know if I'm ready for this. Uh, number one, I was feeling so good about the show. <laughs> number one, your Wisconsin accent is what we do for Upper Michigan people. Okay. Okay. We we sound like Dan Patrick. How does Dan Pat Dan? Dan uh, I'm trying to pick Dan. Isn't Dan I, Patrick just sort of Milwaukee, Wisconsin? He, I I'd picture him just sounding like this. Like up next on Sports Center. Here's um. He's kind of flat and he's very dry. I can picture him. I'm trying to hear who's his that, voice. We've been listening. To, we've been watching football. Who's that announcer in football who every once in a while he's got like a flat A? Who's got? I guess Dan Patrick has a bit of a flat A. Uh huh. All right. Well, I'll remember that when I do uh, Wisconsin. I'll, I'll just I'll say it's Upper Michigan. <laughs> Number two, Justin is right. Skittles are eaten by flavor unless in a hurry, and it's grape. Okay, here's oh, interesting. <laughs> what do you mean unless you're He's in a right. hurry? <laughs> Who has, to eat, Skittles. who has to eat Skittles in a hurry? Oh, shit. I got to You know what? I'm not, oh, uh, running out the door. Justin is right. It's also funny that I'm right. It's a funny thing to say about Well, Skittles. I don't think you're wrong because I... I don't think it's a right-wrong thing. It's just a preference. I know. I think, I think he knows that. Like all the colors of Skittles, colors of the rainbow, people are all different and should be celebrated. You know? <laughs> this is William's order. He calls himself Billy later on, but William's order is... Of, of worst to best? Skittles. Uh, he doesn't say. I, I, uh, worst to best. Yes, he does say afterwards. Oh, wow. Here's his worst to best. Grape, orange, apple, lemon, then strawberry. Weird. Weird. I'm surprised. That's, lemon is that high, huh? That, and grape is that low. And that grape should, and strawberry should be on either end of the spectrum hmm. for him. You know, some people really hate that fake grape flavor. I know people who hate any sort of grape candy. Because it's yeah. very artificial. See, tasting. I always loved it. Like when I we do were too. Kids, there were times where but I, it tastes almost nothing like grapes. Uh, let's yeah, face it. like like Diamond Tap. Remember how good that oh, was? So oh, great. Or time. children's uh, chewable Tylenol. Oh yeah. Remember those? The strawberry and the the red and the purple. I prefer the the liquid Diamond Tap. Oh really? I prefer the chewables. Um, you know what's funny is that now I'm thinking that Skittles kind of like instructs you how to eat it. He's saying that like that you're meant to eat it one at a time, flavor at a time. But they taste do the say rainbow. taste the rainbow. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I never thought about that. Yeah. Okay, again, uh, this is back to William. Again, love the show. Thank you. And he says, Billy K. That's how he wants to be. But from William Kratz, he, he likes Billy K. P.S. Just wanted to hear you stumble on the words community and coupons. Oh, that's, that's why they were in the uh, oh subject. Oh, my God. That's really funny. That's a listener. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's somebody like... Coupon. Uh, you coupon. say it like mom. I said coupon, though, I think, when I said it in this, this time. Because I was self I was self-aware hmm. of it enough. That's funny. That's community. something... That's fine. That's a good listener. Community. Would you rather from producer Mish? <laughs> Billy didn't include one. Oh, okay. Thanks, Mish. Okay. Would you rather... Oh, I'm, I'm excited for this one from Mish. Hmm. Would you rather live until you are 200, but look like you are 200 the whole time, even though you are healthy, or look like you're 25 all the way until you die at 65? That is a good question. So you're 200 for your whole life? Like uh, even up until you're... It's... It's hard. I've I've never seen a two hundred year old person, uh, nor has anybody. But imagining my face at two hundred is oh would be God. awful. I mean, oh I would I would look awful. By the way, by the way, but I would still one hundred percent pick that because yeah. I also wouldn't want to look like I'm twenty five all the time. Ah, uh, that's true. But does that, does, Mish? Do you mean two hundred from like the time you're uh, gone through puberty? Like yeah, once, or are you like high a school? or do you look like you're twenty five starting from when you're born? That yeah, Mish. Well, we need you to clarify. I would say if it's, I I would imagine that it's like once you become an adult, you look twenty five or two hundred. Okay. And if that's the case, I would. 
man, that's hard. Because to, to look 200, you still get to do all, a lot of things in the world. And you're healthy, she says. So it's yeah. not like you're slow acting like a 200-year-old, whatever You just is. have a really wrinkly face. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that would be the only face you know. So that and it's that like, everyone else yeah. knows. Yeah, so everyone thinks you're just like an old-looking person. There'd be limitations, obviously. But um, I would pick that 200 years, but then flip side is all your loved ones have passed away. Most of them have been gone for 100 years. you got to make new friends, younger friends. Then you're like and good luck doing old that with guy. a 200-year-old yeah, face. The more I think about this. Maybe, maybe 65. Really? Maybe. But then you have to look 25 when you're 55. I wouldn't That's want that. That's so weird. That's a tough one, Mish. That's a good one. I, I, I think I'm... I think I was better looking at 35 than I was at 25. Oh. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think you were too because you were – you still had baby fat when you were 25. You had this like kind of fleshy, innocent face. Yes. Yeah, but you, you got a little bit more chiseled and feet. So I, I wouldn't want to be stuck at 25. By the way, speaking of faces, uh, I want you to read that there's a meme of two high school – there are two back-to-back – High school pictures. I know who they are. You do, right yeah. away? Satin. Steve Buscemi and Angelina Jolie. Yeah. One of these people is regarded as one of the most attractive in the world, and the other as one of the least. That's mean. It is mean. He's I... not attracted. He's not known to be one of the least attractive no. people in the world. I think Steve Buscemi's really cool looking. I do, too. Um, but You don't the... both ever think that Steve Buscemi is really cool looking? <laughs> Man, you know, it might also be because he's just a, such a wonderful person. We should have him on the show. Yes. Um... He, yeah. Um, but anyway. Is that the end of the letter? That's oh, the yeah, end. That's her. So I would pick 200. 200. Yeah, why not? And it's what you know. So you have a wrinkly face. I would look like, what's that dog? What's that dog? dog. No, that has all the wrinkles. Oh, Sharpay. Sharpay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Going down. Um, anyway, uh, thanks, Mish. And thank you to Billy Kay and the, uh, just the best. and The best. Vince V. The best ever. You may be the greatest of all time. He is the GOAT. Um, and uh, somebody I am uh, very, very fortunate, feel very grateful to know. And uh, he's been just, to the both of us, been so supportive. And him doing the show is just another, yet another example. And as much as we were waxing poetic about him, I don't even think I mentioned it was so enjoyable listening to that conversation. Oh, good. It was so fun. To, I it was When it was over, I was... Kind of sad, yeah. Because I thought, oh, I could listen to this for another six hours. Oh, it was yeah. so fun to listen. Well, that's to. how it's it, so fun to listen to. Well, I'm glad because to get a taste of that's what it's like, you know, hanging out with him. That's why I miss him, and I'm lucky to feel lucky to know him. Um, a friend. Um, so thank you, thank to you, Vince, and um, thanks to you. <laughs> and <laughs> thanks to you, and thanks to all you listening. And if you guys want to write in to the show. Our email address is lifeisshort at wondery.com. Life could be a dream. Life could be a dream. Life Short is hosted by me, Justin Long. It's produced and co-hosted by you, Christian Long. It's also produced by Megan. Monaco. Senior producer is Michelle. Mish. Lance. Audio engineer is Sergio Enriquez. And the two guys who get their hands on the executive producer job are Marshall Louie and Hernan Lopez. For a company I like to call Wondery. Thanks, guys. We'll see you next week. Be good and be safe. Get your hands on each other. I'm old school. I don't like to talk a lot. But at the same time, am I talented? 
Tell me how you felt about what just happened there. I don't like the feeling. You're sitting there, you're wondering, do I have food on my face? Am I eating? Am I talking too much? Are they talking enough? Am I interested? I'm not really interested. Should I play like I'm interested, but I'm not that interested? But I think she might be interested, but do I want to be interested? But now she's not interested. So now all of a sudden I'm, getting, I'm starting to get interested. I bet you do, it's America. You know what I mean? Find out what it is and put that down on the application for college. Now all of a sudden you get a little extra money on the side. Uncle Sam's on the wiser for it. You take that extra money, you buy a motorcycle or something. Be a lady. Maybe you meet a guy when you're at school. And then you'll get pregnant with child. It works out with the guy. It doesn't work out with the guy. Who cares? I could play this game forever. Oh, I could. I love it, don't you? I love it, yeah. I mean, it's the kind of thing where literally I play the game and it's like four hours go by. And perhaps play a little game called Just a Tip. Just for a second, just to see how it feels. Or ouch, ouch, you're on my hair. Because I think I'm good enough to figure out how to beat myself. His wife will come home and then she'll find him with a guy named Julio wearing leather helmets and clubbing each other to Yanni's greatest hits. Yeah. And when am I supposed to kiss her? Do I have to wait for the door? Because then it's awkward. It's like, well, good night. Do you do like the ass out hug? Where you like you hug each other like this and the ass sticks out because you're trying not to get too close. You just go right in and kiss him on the lips. So don't kiss him at all. It's very difficult trying to read the situation. Just really wondering, are we going to get hopped up enough to make some bad decisions? Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Life is Short ad free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today, or you can listen ad-free with Wondery Plus and Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at wondery.com survey. Hey, grown-ups! The Cat in the Hat cast is a new podcast from Wondery, perfect for the whole family. Join the Cat in the Hat and your favorite Dr. Seuss characters as they get whisked away on a new adventure every week. Fish dreams of creating his very own polite and quiet podcast. That is, until he gets a surprise visit to his fishbowl podcast studio from the cat in the hat himself. And it becomes very clear that the cat has other plans for the podcast. And those plans are the opposite of quiet. Sing along to new favorite songs, try your luck at Titanic tongue twisters, have some fun with wondrous wordplay, and most importantly, bring your family along for all of the adventures in the cat in the hat cast. Follow the Cat in the Hat cast on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to the Cat in the Hat cast early and ad-free on Wondery Plus. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Wondery Kids Plus on Apple Podcasts today.